Hello, it's Larry Clark with Excelsior Music Publishing. We're going to take a little different approach to the From the Composer podcast today, and we're going to be talking to composers as they are asked questions by an actual music educator. So we're going to start today with composer Amy Reeves Mills. Hello, it's Larry Clark with another Meet the Composer episode, and today we're talking to Amy Reeves Mills. And we also have educator Catherine Buchanan, who's going to ask the questions today. So Catherine, take it away and I'll ask all those burning questions you want to know. Okay. Dr. Mills, and we know each other as Amy. I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, I'm so glad you could do this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I've, been, I've, been, I've been to your school. I've worked with your groups. You're a terrific educator. And... Um, so I'm just, thank you for doing this for us today too. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for all of your helps. And my students definitely love when you come in, they're excited and um, they feel like they have somebody really famous coming in to speak with them. So, and a lot of your helps have been very helpful to us. So I, I do thank you for that. Um, so I, what things I know about you, um, that you were in the Air Force and you directed the Air Force Band for so many years. You were also an educator. And we just have a ton of questions that um, our kids would like to know about a composer um, and about your life as a composer. So um, where did you go to college? I went to Northwestern University. And um, the, the reason I chose that school was because when I was a senior in high school and had to make those decisions, I loved music. I loved being a musician, but my family was not a professional music family. So I didn't see any career in that as an as a example of my own family. So I thought, I like music. I'm going to go to Northwestern, which is a big university, and I'll have fun with music for a couple of years. And then when I decide what I really want to do, I'll switch in the same university, and I can still go to the same school when I figure out what I really want to do. And by the time I got to Northwestern and started taking class, it was like, oh, I love this. And I, so, like, I started in music, and I never got out. That's wonderful. And you know, um, what's so interesting about us is that we have a similar background, a similar, we grew up in a similar um, area of the country. Um, in, you're in the Midwest, I was in Minnesota and you were in Wisconsin. And um, so that's, I think what makes us, you know, connect so well, but same thing with me, you know, I just, I, I found music and it became my, um, my friend, my very best friend, but I didn't see a career in it. So um, good. I'm excited to hear uh, more how the how the composer um, piece came into it. So <laughs> what instrument did you play when you were growing up, going through well, music? I don't remember, but my mother says that I always wanted to play the piano as soon as I could talk. So I, I and um, so I started on piano real young, but not too young. Actually, well, the truth is, my mom started me on piano lessons when I was five. And after about three lessons, I remember I was so mad at that lady because all she wanted to know, now I remember now, she wanted to know treble clef. And I was like, I really don't care what that is. I just want to play the piano. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not really ready and I quit. <laughs> so I quit piano at five. But um, my mom started me again at uh, second grade and I was more prepared. And then, so I started piano in second grade and then I started clarinet. Back in the day, we started uh, band instruments in fifth grade. 
So I started clarinet in fifth grade. And I don't know, but I just knew I had to play clarinet. I don't know why. Um, and then I went to Girl Scout camp, and I loved when they played guitars and sang. And my dad had a guitar. He played a little bit. So, um, so I started guitar in sixth grade, and those were my main instruments. And the funny thing is, I had chosen the clarinet as a melody line instrument, the guitar as a harmony instrument, and the piano as an instrument where you have to balance voices between melody and bass and, 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 and inner voices. So it was like God just led me on that because I was clueless. He, I just put in my heart what I was supposed to keep playing and I just kept doing it because I loved it so much. That's awesome. So I think um, our listeners feel the same way. Um, you know, they just would rather just play something. They don't care, you know, what uh, note is on the first space, right? And, you know, those are the integral things to composing. But um, my kids will say to me, I, do, I don't care. I just want to play Harry Potter theme or um, right, right. So that's, that's, a, that's a good way to begin, I guess, you know, just having that desire to want to play melody. Yeah. Right. And then the thing is, you go from the desire to play music or to play a melody or something that we know, and then you hit this wall where, oh, it's not so easy. And you have to get past that wall with your practicing, with your lessons, with your ensembles and school and all this stuff. And when you get past that wall, then you get a freedom where you really have skills and then you can really play what you want and, and uh, it gets really cool. Yes. Ex excellent. Um, so what instrument fascinates you the most when you listen to it? I mean, you may not play it, but is there an instrument that fascinates you more than any other? When you hear, you've obviously heard the full ensemble. You've directed bands and full orchestras where you have the whole thing from flutes all the way down to the bare tones. <laughs> that is a really hard answer. And I, I'm going to give you two. One answer is, Whatever I'm writing for today, I'm fascinated by that. <laughs> and then like, so it's constantly switches for what I'm writing for. But if I had to choose one medium, I would take everything you have. I love like Carmina Burana, where you have a 250 voice chorus. You've got the woodwinds, the brass, the strings, the percussion. And it's, it's just incredible. So I, I guess I like, everything all together <laughs> okay that would be great that would be neat maybe we should plan that in the future <laughs> yeah so did you always want to be a composer um and you did sort of answer that um what age you started that inspired you mozart started when he was six so um did you feel like you started that early or did it come to being later not so much i I don't remember, I wasn't writing when I was real young. And when I had guitar and was singing songs, I wrote some songs with guitar and that was fun. <laughs> um, I won't go into detail on that. But, and then in, in high school, I did some arranging, which I really liked, but I wasn't really doing original compositions very much. Because by the time I got to high school, my heart's desire became to be a conductor. And that's really what I pursued. And so that's why I learned to play all the instruments in the band and the orchestra so I could learn to conduct and be an effective conductor. And it was a desire of my heart, burning desire, had to, had to, had to be a conductor for like 30 years, which is like twice as long as most of our viewers have been alive. <laughs> but, I, but 
after 30 years and I loved it and I still love it, it was like God changed the desire of my heart. And I started feeling like, I really like to write. And so I thought, okay, I'll give that a try. And that was like 10 years ago. So I was, let's say in my mid fifties, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I really said, okay, I'm gonna sit down and really do this. So I came to serious composition after 30 years of intensive score study of the great masters. And then I sat down and started trying to write. And you know what? It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings me to my next question. Um, so are there, is there a certain composer who's inspired you to write? Um, I think there are certain composers whose music I really love. I mean, I, I love them all, but I really love Prokofiev. I love the rhythm of Prokofiev and then the power in his music. Um, so I, I like his stuff. I like Aaron Copeland a lot. I love how he took um, folk songs and, and, you know, and writes beautiful music and also really dynamic rhythmic music. Um, and, and I like perfect fourths and perfect fifths, which we don't hear much before 1900. Um, so I, I think those are two, you know, 20th century composers who I really like, but I love them all. I love Mozart, whose music is so delicate and transparent. So I like everything from that to the, you know, the thickness and power of Procopius. So I, I sort of just like it all. <laughs> yeah, neat. Okay. How about any professors or teachers as you were growing up that inspired you? Can you name one or um, can you look back and see a, a specific person that inspired you to write? Yeah, I think, you know, I think every step of the way there was somebody. And I think it's a really important point because music, whether you're a composer or a um, a composer or a conductor or an instrumentalist or a singer or or any of those things or an engineer or any of the things that you would do in music it is an apprenticeship profession we were all apprentices to our master teachers and those of you who are in school you need to look you know middle schoolers high schoolers you need to look at your middle school band director orchestra director choir teacher any of those any of those people who are teaching you, they are masters at what they do. They are master teachers and you are the apprentice there to learn. Because in music, you know, as you all know, students who are already in music already know this, you can read about music all you want, but there's nothing like the teacher saying, play it like this, sing it like this. You know, you can even on YouTube, you can watch, but if you have one-on-one -on -one, that master teacher saying, looking at you and what you're doing and saying, oh, just do it like this. And you go, wow, I got that. Um, so I was talking to my goddaughter just the other day about Mozart. She's starting the Mozart C major sonata. And she was asking, well, there are no crescendos or decrescendos in this music. And I said, it's not written in, but would you want to play it? Ba, 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 da, da. Oh, do you want to play? There's a little crescendo, a little day crescendo that's not written. And I said to her, that you are my apprentice. I am the master. I just gave you something about musical expression. Now you know. And 10, 20 years from now, you're going to pass that on to the next person. And that's been going on since the 1500s. Actually, yeah. probably since the beginning of music. So, um, <laughs> 
what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, did yes. I have anything inspired for you? I my definitely agree. Yeah, my high school band director really inspired me, got, encouraged me to go to music school in college. My college band director, John P. Painter, some of you about there might have heard of him, the teachers might have heard him, was a real big inspiration for me. My greatest conducting mentor was Harold Farberman. He, I got my doctorate in conducting, and then I went to New York City once a month for a one-hour lesson with Harold Farberman, where he beat me up as a, <laughs> as a conductor for an hour. But he really, I mean, I had my doctorate already, and I was still going to the feet of the master and learning. And then as a composer, when I got started, I knew, yeah, I can't do this myself. So I approached a friend of mine, Marshall LaRue, who is a brilliant genius composer who looks through myself and helps me. We talk through it and we, we, we craft and, and, and that kind of thing. So it's uh, my whole life, always been an, I've always been an apprentice. And I think that's what makes a great composer, a great musician, is somebody who reaches out for help. Um, you know, I, I know for myself the same thing. You know, I just didn't want to stay the same. I wanted to have somebody help me uh, grow as a musician and as a conductor and a teacher. So, yeah, definitely we get those things from those that we study under. Yeah, exactly. Well, the next question. Um, what means do you use to write? For instance, do you start with a melody? Um, can you explain your process in writing? Um, you know, that's interesting. As a composer, and remember, I've really only been seriously composing for 10 years, which is not a long time as a composer, but the first five, six, seven years, I had to figure out what my process was. And I have figured it out, which is a really good thing because I kept talking to my my master mentor and saying, this is taking so long. Why does it take so long to do this? Well, in the first place, it takes a long time to write all those notes. But, um, but we talked about it. And so what I do now is usually um, I look for my inspiration, which is usually whoever has commissioned me to write the music. I usually do um, an interview with them. And we just talk about who are you? What do you love about music? What do you want from this piece? Do you have any ideas? That kind of thing. And it usually comes into some kind of an idea that I'm focused on. And then I look at the idea. And then we also need guidelines. I need to know how long do you want the piece to be? You know, give me a two minute time range. I can, you know, say 10 to 12 minutes. I'll hit somewhere in the middle of that. Um, do you want one long piece? Do you want, you know, three short movements? You know, so we have to talk about that kind of stuff and get those basics done. And then I start thinking, okay, let's say I want to do the beginning fast and the middle kind of slow and pretty and the end fast. So now I've got, I'm starting to talk about form and structure. I haven't talked about notes at all. You know, <laughs> so fast, slow, fast, so they can okay, that's good. How do we want to leave our audience? Do we want to leave them? Ah, at peace, or do you want to stand up and cheer you? Okay, now I know how I want my end to feel. And so, when, and then I've got, let's say I've got 10 minutes. Well, then I can do three minutes at the beginning, four in the middle, and three minutes. So I do my structure. I haven't talked about notes at all yet. <laughs> and then I take a piece of paper and I write all that stuff down. And then I can't help it, but while I'm not doing notes, in the back of my head, things are kind of mulling around. And I think about, you know, I want this melody to be really jagged, or I want this melody to be smooth, 
or I want, you know, what, so I think about the qualities I want and I get all of that and I write it down on paper. And um, even for the teachers who are interested in theory, I often sketch out the key centers, what, what key are they, you know, if it's a band, it's probably gonna be a flat key, if it's an orchestra, it'll be a sharp key. Um, if it's for piano, maybe not too, too many sharps or flats, you know, all those things. So I sketch all that out and, and tell, I'm just bursting. I say, finally, okay, good, I can write a melody. And so I usually start with melodies. And then the hardest thing to write is the transitions. How do we get from the fast to the slow section? And that's where I rely on harmony. I usually write harmonies first in the transitions, and then I'll take little bits of melody from other places and stick it in there and make the transitions work. So that's, that's kind of how I do it. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, something I've arrived at and it works for me. And, it, and, it, and, and when, once I have my form figured out, then I don't get to like minute number 10 and go, oh my gosh, I need to start the fast section. I've only got 30 seconds left, you know, so planning, yeah. <laughs> So that sort of answers, but how do you keep an idea in your head without getting sidetracked? I know it's, well, you know, it's a long process. It's, we're talking weeks, you know, possibly months on a piece. So yes, months. As I, the piece I wrote for Excelsior is called Arise, and it's for grade one. So it's it's um, so there, there's not a lot of complexity in, uh, in the piece. It still took me a full month from beginning the piece until to writing the piece. Um, Send it to Larry Clark. He was saying, "Oh, you better not put a key change in there." Oops. Okay. So we changed some things around. You know, got it. To, it took a full month to write a 90-second grade one band piece. So wow. it does take a long time to do. And so when I get an idea in my head, I've learned to not be too crazy about it. Oh my God! I gotta write this down before I forget it. I go too stressful. I write music when I'm in my office, I have my piano, my finale, I'm ready to roll and I'm gonna play things around and write it down right now. And other than that, the only other time I like, if I'm somewhere and I think of something, I gotta remember it, it's like, if I figured out how to make a transition work from mulling it over, it's like, that'll run back and go right down. But for the most part, I make myself write when I'm writing and the rest of it I can just enjoy in my head and trust myself I'll think of something good when I write when I sit down to write. So that's what I do. My band director colleague um, is excited to try your piece Arise. And so um, I'll be really excited once they his students watch our video and um, hopefully they'll be able to try the the piece by our famous composer, right? Here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So and we were talking about that earlier too, and this this kind of goes along with the question, you know, how do you how would you approach or how would you have a teacher? approach your piece? How would you have the students approach your piece when you're first learning a new piece? How do you recommend to start? You know, I think I would suggest they sort of approach it like I approach the composition of it. Um, and, and again, as 30 years as a conductor, I learned don't start with measure one and start listening to how does this go. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I would take the whole score I'd flip to measure one and glance at it and go, okay, I mean, obviously we know is this for band, is this for orchestras, is this for choir and piano, whatever it's for. So we know who it's for, you know, glance at the key, oh, that's gonna be a hard key, or oh, we can play that key, whatever. And you look at the music 
a lot of notes. This is going to take some time. Oh, that doesn't look too hard. I'll, I'll, come, I'll check back. And, and I flip through pages. I go, oh, look at it. Double bar line, big thing at the top. There's a change here. Okay, there's a new section coming up. And then I'll, you know, I flip, flip through. Oh, lots of notes. Oh, not many notes. Okay. I've, oh, a fermata. That must be a six, section ending. Okay. Moving through to the end. I always want to see how it ends. Oh, it's going to be beautiful at the end. It's going to just fade away or it ends that beautiful major chord or wow fortissimo crescendo lots of percussion this is going to be big i mean so i just kind of glance at all that stuff first and then having had a grip on it i might you know then start and find the melody line you know like there'll be a little intro but find your first main melody you know flip to that middle section find a little melody in the middle so kind of dabble through it as the conductor and then when you you're kind of getting the sense of the piece, you know, then really sit down and and learn the piece. But but I found that dabbling through it helps me get things kind of in focus before I try to intake all the notes into my head. So right. And as for and for the students, same thing. And it may be the day that your conductor puts it on your music stand or you walk in the, to the, into the rehearsal room, hey, there's new music on my music stand. We've got three minutes to warm up and you know before we get started, same thing. Look at page one. Oh my gosh, a lot of notes. It's gonna take the practice. Or, oh, this isn't gonna be so hard. What key is that in? I'd be sure I don't mess up my key signature. You know, turn the page. Wow, look at that ending. It's gonna be loud. Or, oh, look at Pumas. Or, man, I have 16 bars rest in the middle of this. I wonder what's going on there. So do that overview and then go back to the beginning and uh, look at the tempo and just kind of start. If you can't play through it right away because people are getting ready, just, you know, look through it, think through it, think through your fingerings. You know, is it high? Is it low? Is this gonna be a chop buster or is this gonna be easy? I mean, so, so peruse all that. And then you start sight reading. Yeah. So I'll be honest, as an educator, sometimes it's the title that makes me want to try a piece. You know, something as shallow as that. You know, I'll look at my shelf or I'll look through the, um, the catalog. And I know Larry, um, I would love for him to hear his answer to this too. But, you know, do you name your child before you have it? Or do you... <laughs> <laughs> do you name the piece first or do you compose it and then name it? I've done it in all different ways. Like you said, sometimes based on the inspiration of the piece, I know what the title is from the beginning. Sometimes, um, like with Arise, I knew the sense and I knew the message, but I didn't know the title yet. And so, and that's something I, I, I mull around in the back of my head when I'm not sitting at my desk working, you know, and um, so I, so Arise was something that it, it took a long time and a lot of thinking to think of Arise. And then another piece that I just wrote where um, the inspiration was very specific, the title was very important, I just wasn't nailing the title. I literally sent an email to my brothers, my sister, and the most creative people I know and say, hey guys, here's what the music is like. Can you send me some ideas, you know? And, and sometimes I use, there's one of my friends, Shelly, Shelly Waite, brilliant mezzo-soprano. She's given me two titles that I've used. She's, you know, she's really good at this. But anyhow, but all the ideas I have helped me, you know, form and shift and shape. And sometimes it helps me to find that title where I'll go, that's it you know, whatever. So it's titles are really hard. It's one of the hardest things. <laughs> well, 
Well, from a conductor's point of view, so to all my um, colleagues out there, I had a very, um, a colleague say to me, there are two rules to learning a piece of music. Never sight read a score and never sight read a score. <laughs> very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise. <laughs> so what was it like submitting your piece for the first time? Your fir the first piece that you ever submitted, what was it like? Well, it, it's so interesting. Um, all right. I had been composing eight years by then and I had several pieces that were quite successful that I self-published and my music could be found at Subito Music Publishing. You go, oh, my, my uh, screen's gone. I don't mind just showing you my website. Um, amymillsmusic.com. <laughs> and from the website, you can click and you can go straight to Subito Music Distribution. And that's where you can order and, and purchase my music, um, except for the things that I have Excelsior. So I've always self-published. But when I decided I wanted to try um, writing some music for schools, I knew that I needed a publisher who could help get the word about you know, my music out there. And so I approached Excelsior Music because I knew they were one of the best up and coming music publishers in the nation based on the founder and how they do their things. So what I did was I wrote, you know, dear Mr. Larry Clark, dear Mr. Clark, you know, my name is Amy Mills. I'm a composer. Here are the 10 best pieces I've ever written. Um, I hope you'll consider me to, you know, write for your publishing company. And I was really nervous and I sent it off and like I waited weeks. And nothing, nothing, no response. I thought, well, this is what they say they have it all the time, you know. And so, well, I went back to the Excelsior website and I read and I looked really carefully and went, aha, there was a blog that Larry Clark wrote saying how to approach a publisher, you know, based on my experience. And I'm not kidding, you can see this on their website. If you find their thing about how to submit something, it says, most composers will send to us all the great music they've ever written when what we really want to see is an example of your grade one piece for band. I went, oh, I did exactly that. So I said, okay. So I sat down, I spent my first three weeks writing my grade one piece for band and they had on the website, you know, here's your guidelines. These are the notes you can use. These are the rhythms you can use for grade one and so I read the guidelines and it's like way harder to write grade one than you think <laughs> but I, I, I got something I liked and I put it in an email I said dear Mr. Larry Clark in my first submission I did exactly what you said I sent you all of my great music however I found your blog here is my first submission of a grade one band piece I hope you're interested and Kathy, the next day, bam, I got an email the next day from Larry Clark saying, hey, I like your piece. I think we could do some work on it, but I'm interested. And we started working together at that point. So, um, but when I got that email back and he said yes, I was like, woohoo! I was jumping for guys. I was going, I'm going to be published. I'm going to be published, like by somebody other than me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm really excited. So for those interested in becoming a, a composer, what would be the most important advice that you could give somebody? Okay, couple of things. Number one, learn your musical craft really well as a performer. Whether you're a singer, a piano player, a violin player, a trumpet player, 
guitar player, whatever you play, get really, really good at it. Because when you get really good at it, then you'll start learning those like musical nuances, the intricacies of a master performer that will you can use in your composition later. So number one, play whatever you play or sing whatever you sing really, really well. Number two, take piano lessons. It's gonna save you so much time in the long run to be able to play your scores a little bit, to demo to people, to write down, to, to play, you know, I mean, you don't have to become a great concert pianist, but definitely take piano lessons. Those are skills that you're gonna need. Number three, if you're interested in writing inter instrumental music at all, start different instruments. You want something from the woodwind family, something from the brass family, something from the strings family, and take voice lessons so that you understand what singers need to do and when you're writing for a singer so you don't blow out their chops because you wrote their high a or whatever i mean so you can start understanding that that technical limitations and uh and opportunities different instruments play something in every instrument family then go to college and you'll learn more but that's my that, that's those are my suggestions Great advice and all of those things you've taken on on yourself. Um, you've been learning cello and that's the deal too, you're writing. <laughs> I have, I, uh, I had, uh, talking about inspiration, I have an opportunity, a commission from SAI, which um, is a commission, they said, write whatever you want for whatever you want. I'm like, okay. And so I thought about it. I decided I'm gonna write my first string quartet and I've written for strings before, I have a bunch of orchestra pieces and everything, but I thought, I need to understand those cellos better. So I called my friend Kathy and said, hey, would you give me cello lessons? <laughs> so I'm at home going, do, re, mi, mi, you know, just, so uh, I have the highest regard for string players, oh my gosh. But yeah, so I'm still learning. That's wonderful. So I think I have just one more question. Um, and this is uh, just for, you know, just for the fun of it. Do you feel famous? <laughs> <laughs> because I know I'm excited um, to be sitting next uh, to you, talking to you and learning from you. So, and are there any perks to being a composer? So do you feel famous and are there any perks? Okay. Do I feel famous? Mostly I'm, you know, it's it's a really good time to be at home because as a composer, I work at home. I work at home really, really, really hard, really long days for months and months and months. And then like I get to go to a premiere, it's like, ah, you know, a burst of opportunity to see musicians and, and meet people and that kind of stuff. So on a daily basis, I don't feel famous. I just feel like I'm working really hard, but, but I love writing music. That's what I'm called to do. So I'm doing that. Um, but it's wonderful when I walk some in somewhere and somebody goes, you're Amy Mills, you wrote such and such. And I go, yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> so I don't feel famous, but it's really wonderful to meet the people who have been playing my music. And what was the other question? Oh, well, are there any perks? So do you have your own private jet or um, that sort of thing? Let's see. No. Are you a starving composer? <laughs> No, um, praise God for the United States Air Force uh, because I retired as a reservist and that's giving enough income to warrant spending all my time composing. And I have a wonderful, very patient and understanding husband. So between the two of us, we're making it all work. 
Um, so, but the perk of being the composer, okay, here's a perk. You know, when you're studying your music as a classically trained musician, for example, I mean, not the jazzers who can improvise, but the people who, whose job is to take the notes on the page and bring them to life, hopefully in a way that the composer would enjoy. I mean, I love creativity and flexibility and all the musical nuances, but I really expect people to play the notes I wrote, you know, and play them correctly. Um, so when I'm composing, I get to a spot and go, ah, I wish that spot would be just a little more of this. I go, hey, I'm the composer. I could do that, you know, like especially when pieces are almost done, I'm listening to things doing and going, boy, if I just a little more here, hey, I'm a composer, I can do that. So it's it's fun to have that kind of creative control, but then when I give it over to the ensembles who are gonna do it, then I just I hope that they enjoy it and and it's amazing to hear how people interpret my music. Um, in their own ways, in ways I never would have thought. And that's where the creativity on that side uh, is. So, you know, it's all fun. It's all awesome. Yeah. Well, um, which brings us to Excelsior Music, you know, music that inspires is their logo. And I would definitely say that um, that's something that we aspire to do is to inspire our students and, um, you know, want them to play their instrument to the best that they can. Exactly. Play your music and make it music that inspires as you're playing it. Yeah. That, that was awesome. <laughs> I was wondering if you were there. I was like, please come save us. <laughs> I think I want to come hang out with you two more often. <laughs> We're here in rural Virginia where it's relatively safe. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's, that's a good thing. Well, that was great, and I, um, I know that uh, students and teachers are going to enjoy that. And uh, we're excited to have Amy's music, and we want more. We want more. So uh, It's coming. Great three. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. And Catherine, thank you for, for doing this interview. We appreciate it greatly, and uh, I hope your students get something out of it. And I know a lot of students and teachers elsewhere are, are as well. So I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. So this is going to be on the Excelsior website underneath the composer interviews or something like that. Yes, but it will also be on YouTube and because it's just easier that way. And so there'll, oh, be yeah. a, there'll be a link. I'll send you both the link in an email and okay. it'll also be on the Excelsior website where all okay. of them are. We have 12 now. So this will be number 13. Yay. I, have, I have another one this afternoon with Valerie Laney Rowe. I have one tomorrow with another Michael Miller tomorrow. So we're just going to keep doing them and, and uh, giving teachers an opportunity to have some materials for their students during this uh, terrible, uh, terribly difficult time. Yeah. Larry, I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm, I'm so happy to have some sense of being able to do something. Do you something. Know? That's exactly. Yeah. We've, we're trying to do something, you know, cause we have, we have time right now. We're all at home and, and uh, trying to stay safe and healthy. So that's the important thing. Yes. All right. Thanks All right. so much. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. We'll see you Thank later. You. Take care. Send more music, Amy, when it's All time. Right. Take Thanks. care, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of From the Composer. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, please subscribe or go to the Excelsior Music website at excelsiamusic.com. I'm Larry Clark. Thank you for listening.